0: are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. All right. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Well, I'm thrilled to be with you guys this morning Isn't this place beautiful? I love when we, you know, you yourself are prophetic. I love it when prophets and prophetesses come on the property, and I love the kind of things that they say. This place looks like a, like a Moravian Falls. Just, uh, I love seers. They just talked about these angels all in these trees up and down this place. So aren't you real thankful for the gift of prophecy? Uh, Me too. All right. Well, I'm excited to be with you guys today. I'm excited for just, yeah, for us that we're family. And today I do wanna, I wanna talk about family. I actually wanna talk about parenting. And, And I want everybody's ears, if you will, to be perked open because a lot of times when people talk about family or parenting or other things, especially if you're single, how many single people do we have out here? Put up your hand. Love the single people. Welcome, we love you guys. We're so excited you're here. Uh, If you're single um, and you have kids, that's one thing. If you're single and you don't have kids, that's another thing. And I just wanna let you know that everybody's called to carry the attributes of the father. Everybody's called to carry the attributes of a healthy father and a healthy mother. And even if the Lord has called you to singleness for your whole life and you will never have maybe biological children, you are called to have spiritual children. You are called to raise spiritual kids. It's a mandate for all of us because we're called to be like our father. And so uh, I just want you to keep your ears open no matter what stage of life. How many grandparents do we have in here? We love you guys. We're so thankful for you. How many, uh, just parents, show me where the parents at, where the, you have kids under 18 right now. Under 18, hands up. Adult kids, there we go. Well, I love every aspect of just you. And we we long to create a culture of family here. We long to create, I think that everybody, everything flows from supernatural family. And that starts out with the Lord's prayer, which is our father. We have a dad who's madly in love with you. He was in love with you so much that in the place of your division, he brought a solution through the gift of his son. He paid that penalty for you that you might be reconciled to the Father. And this is the beauty of the gospel. This is the beauty of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit loved you so much that they didn't wanna leave you the way you were. How many of you guys are thankful for that? So I, I just wanna give some, some keys into parenting. And I, I hope to, to tell some stories today and just tell you some stories about my own personal journey as a parent and then also as a son. And I had, to be, I had the privilege of being raised in a, in a Christian home, in a home that uh, was madly in love with Jesus. And my, my parents uh, both met Jesus. I think my dad was uh, uh, 21 when he received Jesus. My mom, I think, was 22. She might've been 21. It was about a year apart from one another. And they were saved in the Jesus movement. Anybody here get saved in the Jesus movement? It's one of my favorite studies in revival is just the Jesus movement. What happened in the, the, the 70s was just a, a marking on eternity forever. Just so many people entered into the kingdom of heaven. I love the stories that they used to tell, which is they'd be driving um, through, I, w- I was raised in a place called Humboldt County in, in Northern California, and they'd be driving through what they described as hippieville, and there'd be some hippie hitchhiking on the side of the road. and. They'd feel the Holy Spirit, say, pick them up. Then they would, uh, when they were in the car, they would just introduce Jesus to them. The simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of Jesus. And I can't tell you how many stories I have from my parents and my parents' friends that got saved during that time of people just getting saved by hitchhiking and meeting Jesus for the first time. And so I love the heritage of my parents. They were first-generation Christians. Um, And so they were paving a way. They were paving a way for something real. And I think the greatest things my parents um, ever taught me, they ever instilled to me, they ever imparted to me, was the greatest commandment, which was love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so I was raised in that type of a home, a home where um, that, that point, that central experience of being a parent and um, um, instilling that in your kids that the most important thing you can do with your life is receive love from Jesus and love others as you love yourself. It, and so that really uh, you know, marked me from an early age. And then also, so I was born in the 80s. I was born in 1981. And you know, from the 80s, we had this moment from the Jesus movement into the shepherding movement. How many knew that you needed a bunch of, uh, a bunch of uh, Jesus kids that were hippies that uh, received Jesus, didn't have much uh, parenting involved with them, didn't have much uh, discipline, didn't have much. They were uh, a culture of freedom that was born out of you know, the late 60s. And so they valued freedom above all else. And then a lot of times what happens just in church history is we begin to see these pendulums swing And so we went from a really free culture. I remember, you know, um, one of my dad's friends, he was just like, I loved smoking pot and spending time with Jesus. It was like his favorite thing to smoke weed. And again, I was raised in Humboldt County, if you know anything about Humboldt. And, and so he didn't have anybody to come alongside and say, there's a better way. There's actually just a Holy Spirit that you don't need something else to be able to experience him. And I, I love those stories. And so, but then what happened in the, the, the 80s, the disciples, I mean, in the, um, the shepherding movement, you know, every movement has its strengths. And I love to first always recognize the strengths and the strength of the shepherding movement, what it was trying to do was shepherd. It was trying to disciple. It was trying to bring healthy, godly discipline. And I remember just from even the the confession of my parents when I got into my later teenage years, they just said, there was at times where we, we didn't mean to, but there was a diminishing of grace and there was the overemphasis of truth. And it seems like we're in a culture right now that there's just a lot of confusions around tra- uh, around truth and love and grace. And I hope today in our parenting, who I want to speak to is believing parents. I'm speaking to you. If you're a believer, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this message really is for you. And if you don't net, um, yet, I would um, extend to you that I would love for you to receive Jesus today. So, Within that, that, that time, I, I remember, uh, and I'll just tell a bunch of stories here in and out because I want you guys to experience what parenting is more than just a, a list of, of tools, which I will give you a list of tools also. But I remember uh, when I, when I uh, met Jen for the first time, I was, uh, I was 15 and a half, and we were at a basketball game, and she was sitting next to me And I'm gonna tell this from her perspective because it's funnier than my perspective. She said, wow, she knew who I was. I was the cute drummer that played at a youth group who had never kissed a girl. This was my weird reputation. And she's like, wow, I wanna get to know this guy. And so she leaned over to me. She initiated a conversation. Her conversation went like this. Excuse me, do you have any gum? My favorite part of the story is three years later I found out that she had gum in her pocket, but she just wanted to meet me. And and I, I said, yes, I do, and I, and I gave her some gum, and and then our, our journey went from there. And about a, a year and a half later, we uh, we started dating, and and I remember I was just you know madly in love and we, I was raised in, in, a, in a beautiful church where the presence of God was preeminent. It was the main thing. At the same time, they had a lot of rules. Everybody say rules. We can look at rules in two ways. We can go boo rules in religion, or we can actually go yay and find out what the rules, the principles um, from the Lord actually are. And just even in my, my parents' beautiful... Uh, expression to me, so uh, I, I, I'll say this first. So I went to them and I'm like, guys, that you know they I, we would I'd invite Jen to the house all the time and and just you know I was just smitten with her and so she she invited me to a dance and I was raised in a culture that dancing was bad. It was evil. It actually felt more extreme than almost anything else in our culture in a joking way that it was like, it wasn't that sex uh, or that dancing led to sex, it was more like sex led to dancing, it was that bad. I mean, it was just like, woo, out there on the dance floor, bad things happen. And so it was more of the cultural view of the Christians around my parents than the the, the view that my parents had. And a lot of times we know when you're in religious circumstances, pressure of religion is strangling. You know what else is strangling? Freedom without boundaries. And so they because, and this is self admitting, they were afraid, they were on the, the board, they were they were elders, they were preachers and teachers. My parents were amazing men and women of God, but they just felt pressure from the cultural standard, the cultural values, and so like, I'm like, can I go to a dance with Jen? And they're like, no. And, you know, I had every argument in the book. I had, you know, I'm sure I brought out the Bible. That was who I was. I'm like, it's not in the word, you know, all these different things. and. You know, and I was just so angry at my parents for that decision. And, you know, how many of you have teenagers in here? You know what's a great thing we can do with teenagers? Is make them angry. It probably means you're on a good track every once in a while. What I'm not actually saying is you parent out of that. I am saying we we do have to walk with just wisdom with our children. And um, there's times we're gonna need yeses and times we're gonna need nos, but I wanna know what's actually influencing my heart because parenting starts in one place, one position, and it's right here because we parent most likely out of the way you were parented. We parent most likely out of the way we see our earthly parents than our heavenly parent. And I don't know about you, but I wanna build a culture where we get the good and the gold and we honor the good from our families of origin. But we also know how to see the things that we don't wanna reproduce. You know, I just turned 40 uh, this last year in March and you know, it's been like a wake up call. How many 40 year olds do we have out here? 40, on my 40 piece. there you go. Mary Lovell's out there raising her hand. She's totally 40 with me. And it's somewhat of a wake-up call. There's these moments of, you know, there's these moments of waking up of, of how am I parenting? You know, how am I doing? You know, what are some of my, my dreams and my goals? And, and, and parenting out of our deficiencies is never a way to parent. Do you know what you parent first out of? The grace of God. The same grace that he showed us is the, the, the primary position of the way that we parent. And so I remember having that conversation with my parents about going to the dance and I was so frustrated and angry. And you know, I felt all the things, all the feels that I didn't feel known, I didn't feel understood. I didn't feel trusted. So the team with me is I was the good kid. I was a kid who loved actually the principles of the kingdom. I grew up encountering God in such a, a significant and real ways. I remember, uh, I remember moments of just, uh, I, I can picture the, our, 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 our church, our, our building, and I remember just moments in that church. I remember laying on the floor at nine years old and had a dramatic counter with God that forever changed my life. So this was the atmosphere that I was raised in and it's a primary atmosphere that we wanna cultivate for our kids is actually the presence of God. The greatest things, that's why actually the corporate gathering is so important for your kids. I love what we can teach our kids at home. And at home, I do believe is the primary place that uh, parenting happens. But one of the greatest gifts that we can give our kids is the presence of God in a corporate setting and the gift of believers one another, the gift of the people around you. If you are the only person, you and your wife, or if you're single, if you're the only person that's parenting your kids, you're living a very isolated parenting experience. It's not something you're meant to do alone. It's something you're meant to do in the course of family. And so just a few, you know, one of, one of our favorite scriptures is raise up a child in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it. And that's in Psalms. And I, and I love the Psalms when it comes to parent, pardon me, it's in Proverbs. Um, and I love the Proverbs when it comes to parenting because there is so much wisdom in the Proverbs. There is so much guidance. And, you know, one of our other, I think, you know, cultural relevant things that we, that we're seeing right now is, is statements like love is love. How many of you heard that statement? Love is love. No, love actually looks like something. And first priority of what is love? Love, it looks like Jesus. It looks like the person of Jesus, the person of the Father, and the person of the Holy Spirit. And they actually describe love very specifically throughout, first, um, throughout John and First John. And one of my favorite scriptures is, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. That's not a very 21st uh, century uh, uh, politically correct thing to say. But love at times looks like obedience, not because we're trying to control one another, but because we truly do love one another. And we know that love provides protection. It provides a place of safety, a place of comfort, a place of of freedom that we're supposed to raise our kids in that type of an atmosphere. And we love that ultimately, no matter what, you can never separate love from truth. These are the great things that we're trying to divide in our society is love and truth. And they're inseparable because they come from one place, which comes from knowing the gospel. And the gospel is Jesus. And we know that's a real uh, cute thing to say that we could all get behind and be like, yes, yes, yes. The challenge is, is when the rubber hits the road, what are we gonna do? And one of the other things that I, I felt like the primary um, thing, and I, and I want to, you know, even reference First um, uh, Corinthians 13 because it talks about how love is supposed to look. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. It rejoices with the truth. And it gives us a picture into the process of love. But one of the things that, that feel like uh, I, I love to bring, you know, just a, a, a tuning fork to us is love also looks like discipline. And I know forever we've confused the difference between discipline and punishment, haven't we? And before I talk about some of these other things, I, I wanna stop and, and just... Take a moment, because I'm gonna give some parenting principles that are probably gonna be hard for some of us. And a lot of us come to our parenting, like I said, with our past experiences. And I know that so many of us were horrifically abused as kids, sexually and physically. That all parenting and even words were thrown out, like discipline, all these things were none of the sort. They were actually out of a spirit of fear and a spirit of punishment. And we know that that will never produce life in anyone. That actually never produces righteousness. It never produces purity. It never produces holiness. It never produces the fruit of the spirit. And so I'd love everybody to turn to Hebrews um, chapter 12. And I love this just because we have one of my favorite chapters in the chapter before, which looks at faith. And we know without faith, it is impossible to please God. And how many know that more than anything we need from our parenting is we need a, a position, a heart position of faith, hope, and love. And so when we look at this, uh, this chapter, So Hebrews. I love, so we just got out of the faith chapter. And... We love this part, verse, chapter 12, verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also closely, um, pardon me, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which entangled us so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Consider him who endured from sin, sinners, such hostility against himself, so that um, you may not grow weary and faint hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted at the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that is addressed to you as sons? Everybody say right now, I am a son. This is your first position. Um, this is your first and great honored position as a believer, as a Christian, is a son. And then he goes into, Proverbs 3, 11. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one that he loves and he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there from Um, whom the father does not discipline. If you are left without discipline in which all um, participated, then you are illegitimate children. One of our greatest signs of legitimacy is knowing that you have a heart that's able to be disciplined. Disciplined. Humility, it takes humility to enter the kingdom and it takes humility to stay in the kingdom. That posture of heart is crucial. Humility comes before honor. Now, back to what I was saying, a lot of, our, uh, a lot of what we received, I've had the honor and privilege with speaking with hundreds of people through one-on-one counseling sessions. And in them, I hear about horrific stories of how parents had actually um, um, treated their kids from horrific physical abuse. Physical abuse that still to this day just makes me wanna weep. And when you see parents parenting out of these type of attitudes, out of attitudes of fear, attitudes of anger. And I wanna say the most important point about love and discipline is your attitude. The greatest things that we do when it comes to our children is discipline them for their attitude, not for their choices. Because choices are a result of attitude. And our attitudes are so important when it comes to disciplining our kids. And so the posture of your heart is a way bigger deal than the posture of your kid's heart. This is why I've been heartbroken by the way we used to talk about two-year-olds. It's like, this is the age we gotta break their will. Like they're horses or something. No, this is the age that kids are learning boundaries. They're learning postures of autonomy, postures of differentiation, to be distinct from the family yet connected. So what is their favorite word in that time? No. And what's our favorite word? a lot of ties back to them. "No, I'm bigger than you. That's not a posture that is going to produce what discipline produces. I see so many parents and people talk about you know, and this is really a little bit of an older mindset than maybe a prevailing present mindset, which is like I'm just trying to get that rebellious spirit out of them. I'm just trying to, um, I'm trying to readjust their attitude because I'm trying to get a rebellion out of them. Well, I just want to uh, just point out that that attitude of trying to uh, discourage rebellion and actually adjust rebellion, um, most of the time just becomes a power struggle. Because why don't you first look at your own heart and look how you're living towards the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Are you living with that soft place where the Lord actually can discipline you? Do you know what discipline from the Lord looks like to your own heart as an adult? Do you know how to adjust? Because if you're loved and you're not illegitimate, it means you actually have this contrite spirit, this heart that says, Father, I invite your discipline. You guys are all looking at me like deer in the headlights. So in the place that we're at now, I see more parents afraid of discipline because they're afraid of some of the things that we grew up with, either the religious spirit or you're afraid of abuse. So you actually don't know how to steer and bring biblical correction, bring godly correction to our children. And we then feel powerless. And then we live a life where everything is... uh, is designed to whatever the child is in need of and is desiring. And I don't know about you, but Dan said it best when he was preaching two weeks ago. He said, if a kid had a choice in what they're gonna eat, what are they gonna choose? Ice cream, always. (laughs) How many of you like ice cream? Me too, don't look at my waist because it likes ice cream too. I wish I didn't like it so much, but what do I need? I need discipline. I need self-control that is stewarded from a place of love. And to me, when I'm hard on myself about the way I'm eating, the way I'm exercising, if I'm taking in that shame, which looks more like condemnation, I feel like as a church, we're afraid of condemnation. Not as this church, but as a church as a whole. We're afraid of uh, condemnation and shame right now. We're so afraid of it. Did you know there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus? It's actually impossible. Now we can agree with spirits all day long. You can agree with the spirit of fear, the spirit of shame, the spirit of condemnation. We can agree with those things all day long and agreeing with that is not gonna produce righteousness and either is this place of works and trying so hard to be good parents trying to to steward the soul that's why everything in parenting flows from grace but grace means that we actually need to know some principles of the kingdom and I love some tools that, that we've picked up over the years. And, and Danny Silk's been part of Jen and Mai's life for 20 years now. So we're just thankful for his influence and, and all that he's done for us. And how many of you guys heard of hassle time? Hassle time is, is when you know, you know, you're in a moment and our child is just uh, not in that same moment. Do you ever know that parenting is not convenient? You know, we're like, as parents like, do you not see what I'm doing right now? No, they don't. Because they're absorbed with what they desire and what they want. And we love to raise powerful kids, but hassle time is a place where we can, uh, um, you know, they continue to ask a question that we've said yes or no to. And we're just like, um, no, not right now. And then they continue, for the amount of hassle that they bring towards your life, you get to bring that towards their life which looks like, no problem. You wanna ask me that for 30 seconds? I mean, for, you know, for, for three minutes? You wanna keep on coming back to me when I've already said that? You're actually hassling me because I'm doing X, and now you get to do A, which A looks like the dishes. A looks like going to pull weeds. A looks like something like that. And then I love choices. How many of you guys use choices? Parent with love and logic principles, Danny Silk principles. I love choices. Choices are such a great place to parent um, from because what we're trying to um, build in them is not that they're, we're not only raising children, we're raising parents. We're raising mothers and fathers. They might be three, they might be eight, they might be 13. But we're actually also raising uh, world changers that know how to to adjust, that know how to have, don't wanna be afraid of discipline in any form anymore. I wanna, as a family, I wanna talk one to another what it looks like to discipline our kids. I want you and your spouse relationships to talk about it. If you're a single parent out there, I want you to implore other um, friends, godly people, and ask them questions. Uh, I just wanna suggest uh, two books to you guys. Um, one is Bill Johnson uh, just wrote it in 2018 on parenting. And uh, it's probably one of the, the best books I've ever read on parenting. And it's called, uh, Giant, I think it's called Giant Slayers. It just went out of my head. Um, and it's just an incredible book. He explains some of these principles that I was so lucky to be raised in. And I believe that we want to, we do want to parent out of principles, but more than that, we want to parent out of passion and love for our children. And when passion and grace and love for our children drive us, let me tell you, you're going to do a good job. So, what I'd love you to do is put your hand on your heart. Why don't you stand up with me and put your hand on your heart? Father, I just thank you that you are the God of love, that you loved us so incredibly, that you actually would sacrifice your son, that we might receive health and life and goodness. But I thank you that we don't just stay at the foot of the cross. You ask us to enter into this kingdom work. And I thank you that in this kingdom work, you say, that you discipline those that you love. And God, we thank you that we are not illegitimate children, but we are children that were bought with a price that we might actually now parent out of a place of grace and love, out of a place of sitting on your lap and letting you breathe over us. You don't have to do a thing and you're worth it. And in that place, we actually get to steward the way that they should go not the way that we think they should go, but the way our children are called to go. And I thank you that our children are called to actually set a standard of your kingdom on this earth that we are fighting for now. We are slaying giants right now. We are like David. We are those that will not be moved by the Goliaths of our day, but we wanna fight and destroy the Goliaths of our day. But we also say that we cannot fight every Goliath that we wanna raise our kids with the fortitude, with the strength to be able to fight the enemies that they are called to defeat in this next generation. And I pray grace and goodness and blessing over every parent at the sound of my voice, every grandparent, every spiritual parent at the sound of my voice. And I say that you're gonna destroy the works of the enemy by your love for the children of God. And so I thank you for a God-given destiny that's gonna release grace and truth and love over this planet. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.